uh, today on the Lord's Day. Glad that you're with us today. I don't know if you were paying attention when Robbie was welcoming everyone, but he'd mentioned, in fact, he showed you that somebody came in here during the week and put a bunch of puppets in the pews here. And I don't know if that was to encourage us. I don't know if it was to uh, throw us off our game a little bit, but I got to tell you, pews full of blank stairs, that's nothing new to me. So you have to do better than that. But uh, glad that you're here. Hey, I also want to go ahead and give you a heads up right now. I've been giving you challenges every Sunday, and I'm going to give you a big challenge this week, but it's going to come at the end of my lesson. So stick with me. I got a really big challenge that I think you're going to enjoy, and I, th- I think it's going to be a blessing to you as well. Um, a year or two ago, my daughter and her family were in town visiting, and I was at the office one afternoon, and Maggie gave me a call, and she said, Hey, Dad, on your way home, would you stop by the store and pick up some diapers? Baby was running out of diapers. Now, it is a really dangerous thing to ask me to stop at the store and get anything, but she told me, here's the size, here's the brand, here's the picture that's going to be on the front. You can do this, Dad. So I said, okay, I'll pick up the diapers. So on the way home, I stopped by Walgreens. A lady met me at the door and said, welcome to Walgreens. How may I help you? And I said, yeah, um, I need some diapers. She said, aisle four. I went back to aisle four, and I pretty quickly realized that aisle four was nothing but adult diapers. And at first, it made me laugh. I thought it was funny. I kind of laughed to myself. But as I stood there, for some reason, I got embarrassed about that. And the longer I stood there, my embarrassment actually turned to anger. And I felt like, i got to go back and tell that woman, these diapers aren't for me. So I go back to the front of the store, and and I tell the woman, "Um, I need some really small diapers. And she gave me a look. Kind of looked me up and down. And I know what she wanted to say was, you're not that small. But what she said was, well, they're different sizes. They're marked on the packages. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I don't want the Depends aisle. I want the Pampers aisle. They're not for me. They're for my grandbaby. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't see any children with you. And well, because of your age, I just assumed. And I'm like, wait, what? Because of my age? There is so much more I wanted to say to that lady. But, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. So I didn't say anything. I got the diapers. I went home. I threw them at my daughter and said, don't ask me to get diapers ever again. (laughs) Listen, this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about assumptions. I want to talk to you about those things that we just consider to be truth. And it's maybe sometimes no real empirical truth or empirical facts to, uh, to justify our position, but we just take it as hard, cold facts. We, we assume some things. And again, I want to go to the Old Testament and, and talk about this, but I want to set it up with a verse in the New Testament. And actually, the Old Testament story is going to validate what Jesus has to say in the New Testament, but I want to start in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, um, some groups are coming to Jesus, some religious leaders are coming to Jesus, and they only have one agenda. Their agenda is, we want to trick Jesus. We want to trap Jesus into saying something that's going to get him in trouble. And they have this pretty well thought out. So they come to Jesus, a group of Pharisees come to Jesus and ask him, 
Is it lawful for us Jews to be paying taxes to Caesar, to Rome? You know, people have been arguing about taxes for a long time, haven't they? Last Wednesday was tax day. Sort of got lost in all this chaos that's going on, but everybody's always thinking about taxes. So they asked Jesus this question, should we be paying taxes to uh, Caesar or not? Now, if Jesus says, yes, you should be paying taxes to Caesar, then the Jews are going to get mad because the Jews hate the Romans. But if Jesus says, no, do not pay taxes to Caesar, well, then the Romans are going to get mad, and they're the ones who are in charge. So it looks like this is the perfect question to ask Jesus to trap him, but of course, you probably know Jesus' response. He says, give me a coin. They hand him a coin. Whose inscription is on the coin? It's Caesar. Then you give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and you give to God what belongs to God. And if you're keeping score at home, it's Jesus 1, religious leader 0. But they're not finished. Another group makes a run at Jesus. This time it's the Sadducees. And the Sadducees come up with this really convoluted scenario that they want to run by Jesus. They say, okay, there's a man. He has a wife. He dies. They don't have any children. So the wife marries his brother. And, and that brother dies. And she marries another brother. And that brother dies. So she marries another brother, and that brother dies. And she marries another brother, and that brother dies. And she marries another brother, and that brother dies. And she marries another brother, and that brother dies. And if I was brother five, six, or seven, I would not marry that woman. But, okay, this is what happens. And the question is, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Which the Sadducees didn't believe in anyway. But they're asking him this convoluted question, whose wife will this woman be who's had seven different husbands, seven different brothers, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And here's the verse that I want to kind of use as a springboard uh, this morning. It's Matthew chapter 22. This is Jesus' response to the question. Jesus replied, You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Jesus tells these men, here's your problem. You so-called experts of the law, you don't really know the law. And you people who claim to be so close to God and explain God to everyone else, you don't really know God. You certainly don't know the power of God. These people come to Jesus and they assume they know something that Jesus doesn't know. They assume they see things that Jesus doesn't see. They assume that they're right. And they're going to be able to pull one over on Jesus. You know, this life that Jesus calls us to live, this spirit-filled life, it is the best life. And I think it's a life of adventure. But sometimes we start to lose some of the adventure to our life when we start to trust our assumptions more than we trust God. I've noticed as people get older, we sort of lean more into our assumptions. You know, you ask a four-year-old kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? You get all kinds of answers. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a princess. I want to be a professional football player. I want to be the president of the United States. I want to be a cowboy. They'll say anything because no one has ever explained to them or they have never quite understood the concept of that can't be done. They don't understand what can and can't be done. But as we get older, 
we start figuring out, here's what I can do, but here's what I can't do. Here's what can be done. Here's what can't be done. And I'll use another example, and maybe I've shared this with some of you before. I grew up in the north. I grew up ice skating in the wintertime on lakes and, and ponds. But then I moved to Florida, and nobody that I, that I knew around here really grew up uh, in the same way that I did. But I was here when in Brandon, they opened the Brandon Ice Skating Rink. And a lot of us went there with different groups. And here's what I found to be true across the board without exception. When I was ice skating with a bunch of kids who had never skated before, without exception, they couldn't wait to get on the ice. They couldn't wait to try it. They'd go out, they didn't know how to skate, they fell, got up, fell, got up, fell, got up. They didn't care. They were having a blast. They were ice skating. And then, when I was with a group of adults who didn't know how to skate, without exception, they would not go skating. They would not put on a pair of skates. They would not get on the ice. They just made the assumption, I can't do that. They made the assumption, I'm going to fall. I'm going to be embarrassed. That window of opportunity has closed for me. You know, it seems like the older we get, our memory overtakes our imagination. And we stop dreaming of what can be done, and we start assuming all the things that can't be done. I don't want to quit dreaming big dreams. I don't want to quit dreaming big dreams in, in any aspect of my life. Let me share with you some of the things that I think we, we too often assume. Think about your job. Well, this is the best job I can ever hope to have. It's not very good. I hate it. But I'm always going to be living paycheck to paycheck. Think about your marriage. Well, this is as good as my marriage is ever going to get. No, I guess I'm just going to have to learn to live with it. It is what it is. We assume the, the best years of my life are behind me. And maybe the saddest assumption of all is, this, I guess, is what Christianity is all about. This is all it amounts to. And the idea of living a life of joy and a life of purpose and a life of adventure, and a life of fulfillment, that's stuff you read about, but that's never going to happen to me. I'm just going to tough it out here, and, and maybe when I die I'll go to heaven, and that'll be good. It is amazing how our assumptions creep into our consciousness, and they just sort of start to take over. You know, I said that I was going to the Old Testament. I do want to go back to the Old Testament. I actually want to go back and take a look at a slice of life out of the man Abraham again. I know we talked about Abraham a couple weeks ago, but I want to go back and take another look at one event in Abraham's life because believe it or not, Abraham was a man who made some assumptions. And then God showed up and changed all of Abraham's assumptions. I'm in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, Genesis chapter 15, there's one verse I really want to focus on. I'm going to read a little bit before that to get us um, kind of the context. Genesis 15 verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? 
And Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. So Abraham and uh, God are having this conversation, and God is saying, hey, you're my guy. I'm your God. But Abraham says, but the one thing I want, you haven't blessed me with. I don't have children. That's the desire of my heart, is children. And God said, oh, you will have children. You will. And then verse 5 and 6 is what I really want to focus on. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. A little bit of background here. You're probably aware of it. Abraham and his wife Sarah were childless. They spent decades, I'm sure, longing to have children. But Sarah was barren. So not only was there the heartache involved in not being able to have children, you probably know that in that culture, there was also a profound sense of shame attached to that situation as well. And I'm sure that Sarah got a knot in her stomach every time she heard that one of her friends was pregnant. And I'm sure that uh, this whole situation was a source of many arguments and many tears between Abraham and Sarah. And I'm sure that by the time Sarah was 90 years old, the idea of her ever having a child has pretty much disappeared. But then one day, God shows up with a promise. And God's promise was, you will have children. In fact, he tells Abraham, your children, your lineage, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. We just read it, but take a look again at verse 5 of Genesis 15. He took them outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. He, God, took him, Abraham, outside. He took him outside. Okay, what does that statement imply? Well, it implies that part of the conversation was inside, right? Part of the conversation is in a place where there is a ceiling. But God takes Abraham outside, where there is no ceiling. Outside, where there's nothing but stars. I got a dog at home. Martha and I have a black lab. She is the world's greatest dog. We love our dog. But she'd gotten in the habit of, when we opened the front door, she would bolt out the door, and she would run two houses down where our neighbor had a pond in his front yard, and she'd jump in the pond, and she'd get soaking wet and muddy, and Martha would have to go get her and bring her back and give her a bath, and it was, you know, big a hassle. So we got one of those buried fences around our property. You know those things that uh, you, they bury it in the yard, and, and then you put a collar on the dog, and if the dog gets too close to the boundary, it beeps. And then if she gets a little bit closer, she actually gets a little shock. Our dog learned her boundaries in one day. One day, that was it. And now she will not go near the property line. You can't force her to get close to that line. It took her one day to learn that. She understands, I can go this far. I can go no further. We don't even put the collar on her anymore. She doesn't need it. She knows this is where my boundary is. God comes to Abraham. 
And he tells Abraham, this is as far as you think you can go. This is where you think your boundary is. But I'm going to expand your boundaries. You think there's a ceiling, but I'm going to take you outside. And I'm going to show you there is no ceiling. I want you to look up. I want you to get rid of all the assumptions that you've had about your legacy, about your descendants. Because Abraham, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars that you can see in the heaven and all the stars that you can't see. Now, I don't know if you'd like to go outside and look at the stars or not. I do. I love it. My daughter and I used to lay on top of our barn and look at the stars. I don't know anything about constellations or anything like that, but I love to look at the stars. I got to believe that Abraham, as a hundred-year-old man, was someone who loved to look up at the stars. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that, but I've got to believe that every time Abraham was outside and he looked up to a sky full of stars, he was reminded of the promise that God had made him. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that God ever wants you to go outside? Do you think God ever wants you to go outside where there is no ceiling and look up? Do you think God ever wants to remind you of just how big He is, of what He's done? There is no boundary. Do you think maybe God wants you to start seeing things from His perspective? instead of our own? Or do you think God ever says, hey, don't look at that situation according to your capabilities or your knowledge or your wisdom. You start looking at those situations, those problems, those opportunities, look at it from a different vantage point. Go outside where there is no ceiling. And all those things that you worry about and all those things you stress over, all those things you're not sure what to do, look at it from my point of view, through my capabilities, my wisdom, my knowledge. See, see, I think sometimes we are guilty of reducing God down to the size of our biggest problem. We think God is big, absolutely. We think God is powerful, absolutely. But I'm not sure he's big enough. And I'm not sure he's powerful enough to deal with this one thing that I'm really struggling with. Someone once said that God made man in his own image and we've been returning the favor ever since. And we assume that God can't or at least God's not willing to do that one thing that we really want him to do or he's not strong enough or he's not able to solve this one issue that we're wrestling with. You know, you think of your biggest problem right now. The biggest thing on your mind. Maybe you're really struggling in your employment. Guess what? God's bigger. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Guess what? God's bigger. Maybe, you know, you're thinking about this virus that has really caused the whole world to come to a screeching halt. I guarantee you, God is bigger. Listen to what God says in Isaiah chapter 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the heaven is higher than the earth. Let me go full nerd mode on you for just a couple minutes. Light travels at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. That is fast. <laughs> In the time it takes me to snap my fingers, light can circumnavigate the earth six and a half times. That is fast. That is so fast it makes other fast things look not fast. Let me put it in perspective a little bit. Our sun is uh, 93 million miles from the earth. If it were possible for me to get in a car and drive towards the sun, and I was able to drive 65 miles an hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no rest, no stop, not, not stopping for any reason, just driving 65 miles an hour toward the sun, it would take me 163 years to get from here to the sun. And yet when I walked out of my house this morning, the sunlight that hit me in my face, it was only eight minutes old. That's how fast light travels. You know, the this, this sun, is, we're, we're in, the, we're in the, this, uh, our galaxy called the Milky Way, but astrophysicists claim that they have discovered galaxies that are 13.7 billion light years away from Earth. 13.7 billion. One light year is equivalent to 5.88 trillion miles. So what that means is 13.7 billion times 5.88 trillion is 86 trillion miles away, the farthest galaxy that we just know about. That number is so large, it's actually meaningless. It's that big. And according to God... That's the distance between my ways and his ways. According to God, that's the distance between my thoughts and his thoughts. According to God, he is 13.7 billion light years wiser than I am. He is 13.7 billion light years more powerful than I think him to be. So, on my best day, my very best day, my very best thought, my very best idea, I am still 13.7 billion light years short of what God knows and what God understands. And I stay trapped in my little cage of assumptions wondering, huh, can God take care of this issue? Can God take care of this problem? Is God going to do what he promised he would do? Think about that as I share some really famous verses with, with you. Some verses that we really lean into. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We love that verse. We believe that verse. We can do all things. Well, almost all things. But don't expect me to do that. Don't expect me to, to get involved there. You have just underestimated God's power by 13.7 billion light years. Or how about Ephesians 3.20? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that's at work within us. Absolutely. God is able to do more than I ask or imagine. A little bit more. I mean, don't expect a big jump. 
You know, let's not get crazy here. You have just underestimated God's ability by 13.7 billion light years. Or how about Romans 8.31? What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who's against us? Absolutely God is for us. Absolutely God is with me. But boy, I still get lonely sometimes. And I feel like I'm the only one and I'm all alone and I feel so isolated and I feel so quarantined. You've just underestimated God's presence by 13.7 billion light years. Or how about Romans 8, 37? In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation, we're able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Absolutely God loves me. I know God loves me. God is love. But I'm not sure he loves me as much as he loves that person because I've made some terrible mistakes. And I'm not sure he loves me completely because I know I've really disappointed him. I know sometimes I'm really hard to love. You have just underestimated the love of God by 13.7 billion light years. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. God takes Abraham outside. says, Abraham, look up. Look at all those stars. I put those stars there. I made those stars. Abraham, quit assuming and start believing. And that's exactly what Abraham did. He quit assuming and he started believing and God counted it to him as righteousness. Listen, what areas in your life do you need to quit assuming and start believing? Where have you just been trapped in your own little cage of assumptions? And where do you need to quit assuming and start believing? David wrote this in Psalm 8. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of us? Mere humans that you should care for us. How big do you believe God to be? How powerful do you believe God to be? How present do you believe God to be? How loving do you believe God to be? Guess what? You're not even close. You are not even close. You have underestimated him by 13.7 billion light years. That's the God that we serve. Now, I told you when I began, I was going to have a challenge for you at the end of this lesson. Here's the challenge, and I really hope you take me up on it. Because this is a challenge that I think will really bless you. Sometime this week, maybe tonight, some night this week, when it's dark, my challenge is go outside. Go outside and look at the stars. And while you're looking at the stars... Ask God what he wants to remind you of. Ask God what promise you need to be reminded of right now. 
And don't just ask him that. While you're looking at those stars, listen. Listen to what God has to say to you. And then there's actually a second part to my challenge. If you're very bold, I'm going to ask you to take a picture of yourself outside looking at the stars. If you, you know, by yourself or with your family, however you want to do it, but take a picture of yourself looking up at the stars um, and then get it to me. You can post it on Facebook, you can, you can send it on Facebook, you can, you can text it to me, you can email it to me. I would love to see a lot of pictures of our church family outside looking up, being reminded of how big a God we serve. And maybe you don't usually meet here in this building with us at Bay Area, but you're here this morning. I would love for every, everyone that's listening, take a picture of yourself looking at the stars and send it to me. And not just a picture of, you know, in, in the blackness. I mean, like, a, like, you know, I want to see faces. But next week, I want to share those pictures. Next week, uh, during this time, I, I want to just run some pictures of uh, brothers and sisters looking up and being reminded of how big a God it is we serve. You'll be blessed by it. Let's close this morning with a prayer. Father, I feel like Jesus as well might have been talking to us when he said your problem is you don't know the law, you don't know the power of God. Father, we get confined by imaginary boundaries that we assume can't be overcome. We know we're not smart enough and we're not strong enough and we're not capable enough to solve our problems or to calm our fears and that's just where we leave it. May we be reminded that we serve a God who was promised as the heavens are higher than the earth, your ways are higher than our ways. So, Father, take us outside. Allow us to look up and have the faith to trust in a God who is all-powerful, all-present, and all-loving. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.